to you from Podcast Detroit. It's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please take a second to subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to HerdPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at HerdPodcast. Welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. We're thrilled you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, or however you get your podcasts. If you want to go one step further, write a review and let us know what you think. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Nick, Hello. Jason, Hello. Vato, Hello. Dave, Hello. and our special guests, partners in Beagalora, Baya Estate, and now Arbor Brewing, Mike Chikuti. Hey, Mike. Hey, Chet. We'll hey, Chet. how are you? Great. How are you? And Luciano Good. Del Signore. Hello. How's I'm it going? Great. How are you? Great. Guys, thanks for being with us. So let's get right into this. Let's start with, uh, with Bigalora. Uh, Bigalora um, is an uh, Italian concept. Yep. And was bred out of um, – it was the second restaurant after Paco, yeah? Correct. All right. So where did the inspiration for Bigalora come from? Uh, I think uh, the want to create um, a little more casual approach to Italian cuisine, obviously my heritage of uh, being Italian, Italian food, Baco high-end, having something a little more approachable. And at that time when you know I conceived uh, Biga, there wasn't a wood-fired pizza to be seen around uh, Metro Detroit. And we took it one step further and did a fully fermented dough and uh, took it back to dough-making heritage roots and made it back with three ingredients, water, flour, touch of sea salt, full fermentation, and uh, it took off from there. And obviously it's, it's grown uh, exponentially. Uh, you have five locations now and then a setup at the medical center and at the airport, yeah? Correct. Um, so what's the key to maintaining, maintaining consistency across – all the places. Well, I would say, uh, you know, it all starts with the food. Uh, we create everything from scratch. We house make everything we make inside Biga. Even if uh, we use Nutella on our brunch menu, we make it opposed to buying it. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to make everything under one roof and follow that step. And I have a team of chefs that work under me, and, and we just create the food and, and uh, make sure that they're all just spec. So I, I think you were going to tell us all how you make the meatballs today. Step-by-step, <laughs> uh, step, hang on, let me get my <laughs> Yeah. So you guys, Sunday meatballs. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're the best. Well, and yeah. don't, don't forget for a moment about uh, Ford Field and uh, now the second big uh, wood-fired pizza truck rolling around town. Oh, I love that truck. Yeah. I love that truck. That's great. Yeah. yeah I, every time I see it, I pull over and just, yeah, get it. It's great. Thank you. So, so Chet, you you're, you come from the automotive industry, um, which is essentially another world from uh, from food, beverage, and hospitality. How'd you get involved in Bigalora? 
Well, you know, listen, Luke Gion and I uh, grew up together. Our dad started businesses less than a mile apart from each other in Livonia. With uh, Luke's dad opened Fonte di Amore within months of my dad opening Quality Metalcraft. And so that was our go-to spot. Luch and I got to know each other in our teens, got, you know, to hang out and socialize together in our 20s. And, you know, always was a big fan when he made the Baco move, uh, was a big supporter, customer, um, ombudsman for Baco. And then, uh, you know, it was a natural, you know, they always say in Detroit, if you're an automotive supplier and you get into the food business or buy a plane, you're probably going to go out of, out of business within six months. But we took a different approach with it and we structured our team with people that know design, people that know food and people that know finance and risk management. And so I think we've got a great, great team. We're not, we're not looking to stress anybody out on, on any side of that equation. Luch can do the food and the, and the hospitality. You know, I can do some design and our other business partner, Mike Collins, he can do all of our risk management and you know, seemingly it comes together pretty smooth. So, um, from the first Biga uh, location was in Royal Oak, yeah? No, the first one was in uh, oh, Southfield, Southfield, two yeah. blocks down from Baco. Yeah. I built it close. It's so, a good one. Yeah. And so, and you just opened recently in Rochester? Correct, Rochester Hills. So, uh, what has... It's a huge location. Yeah, it's, it is. It's probably, it's probably our biggest location. It's very close to Ann Arbor. Yeah, um, Ann Arbor's lo- pretty big as yeah, well. Yeah, it's about the same as that, yeah. I would say. And so, how is the op- how is the opening change from going from Southfield, which I, I I believe I was at actually, and then all the way to now uh, opening Rochester? The size is one part of it, right? Well, the size is one part, but I think they become easier. Uh, I tell people there's a step in restaurant touring, and I know Dave knows this. Um, you know, when you go from one to two, and then two to six, there's a big difference when you start making that move because now you start having a pretty good uh, base core of employees. And in Bega, particularly, we have some people that have been with us for a long time since we opened in 2010, and we love to promote within our company. So there's been people that have grown with us. And now when we go open a restaurant, we've got a whole team. I can pluck from four restaurants and assemble pretty much a full opening team that's going to train all the new people that show up. That's great. So yeah. it just gets better. Yeah, internal talent pool. It's Correct. fantastic, yeah. 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 And you guys use a commissary, I assume? Yeah, we do point? use a commissary. So a Standardization. Yeah. yeah. Our commissary kitchen is how we control everything in Bega. So everything gets made under one roof. Mm. And I, I formulate all the recipes personally. I still go in every time there's a new dish I formulated at the commissary. It gets written in stone, and then and then it gets produced out of there. We deliver to ourselves fresh six days a week. Great. Where's the commissary at? It's yeah, in the and, and, and with our with our deal, right? Um, it's three three rules: the dough, the dough, the dough. I right. mean, nobody nobody ferments dough for seventy two hours in our business, That's and mentioned. it's very difficult. It's very challenging. But it, it, the product just makes for itself. And on top of that, you are also doing a, a fairly high-end kind of bar program as well. Um, there's actually – Rich is actually wandering around because he's on another podcast, one of your yeah. bartenders in sure. Royal Oak. And you don't pull any punches with that. You bring in a pretty wide selection of beer. Yes. Great, great cocktail lineup. Uh, wine as well. Yeah. So that – I think that also adds to – you're not just doing pizza. You're doing elevated pizza with a bar program. Well, it's, we're doing what's important to us. You know, I didn't try to create a restaurant for people I don't know. I try to create a restaurant what I like and enjoy, and what my you know I think Chet feels the same way, and my partners what we like, how we like to eat out. And if you like to eat out like we like to eat out, that's you're going to be happy with what we do. 
I'll tell you, I wish there was more uh, Beagleor type spots in the different airports around. Mm. You know, because uh, that 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 terminal is just, that terminal. I think is great for one. I mean, it kind of reminded yeah. me of the Ford Field that had the same kind of. You know, it's got the corridor. It's got you. And I mean, but, yeah. Plum Market. But to be yeah. able to go to uh, Ely Coffee, you yeah. know, uh, be able to go there and get uh, that. I wish you can go uh, some of these other airports. I, I don't know uh, how Detroit is just not in it, featured for that kind of. Uh, I I think that was a big move for uh, DTW to uh, go out when all their contracts came up. Uh, we were working on that. It took three years to, to sink that deal for the airport. And uh, when their contracts came up, you know, that's when we all got our shots to bid. But it really was the airport authority that said, hey, there's a lot of cool things going on in Detroit. Let's get out and start bringing in this feel of Detroit. And, uh, you know, for people who travel to our city to see, you know, Plum Market, Corridor Sausage, Zingerman's, uh, you know, being in a few other places that are local, it's a great way to start their their visit for sure how how is it to deal with the airport i mean do you staff that or do they staff that yeah you know you deal with an airport partner okay um our control we have a you know a lot of control we we send our people in there every week and you know if somebody's not working to our spec we got the pull to say hey we want to replace this chef or replace so and so and we ship all the food, right? So we make everything at our commissary. Oh, and you had yeah. asked where that was, Dave, and it's in Livonia. Livonia, okay. So it's kind of centrally located. Sure. Uh-huh. Do you own the space that Baco's in? Uh, yeah, I own that building. Can you explain the, the concept? Because you almost have like a little village. Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> I just inherited that little village. I was a tenant before I owned it. And, <laughs> and then after I expanded it twice and put in private rooms, I thought it'd make sense to to own that property, but it is. It looks like a little village, and I've got some tenants uh, behind me. I have four tenants back there behind the restaurant. Hmm. At one point, I thought I would create that into a little Italian village, and I would have a little carryout market and a little catering and a little – it would just go on. And then Bega came up, and so I nixed that whole idea and just went down that road. Sure. (laughs) It still sounds like a great idea if you're like a little uh, Frankenmuth in in Southfield. Right. But but Italian, obviously. Italian mood. Italian for yeah. Italian mood. Yeah. Gondola rides, shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. So spe- speaking of Baco, how has Baco's fine dining focus colored Bigalora's menu, service, et cetera? Well, uh, you know, I think fine dining is where I came from. Uh, it's it's the food and the, you know, the hospitality level, the most important to me. So I think it, it transferred over to Biga in – you know, we first try to source all our ingredients local, right? Because I like to stimulate the local economy. If I can't find it locally, and when I say local, I'm speaking of the state of Michigan, right? Because I like to keep our dollars in our our, our borders. Uh, then I look in the United States. If I can't find the quality I want in the United States, my third resort is I go to Italy and I find the ingredient I want. Um, so Biga has that same philosophy. You know, we really, really try to make meaningful food, sustainable ingredients. Uh, I don't have anything on the menu that's got hormones, antibiotics, nitrates. Uh, I won't use uh, farm fish unless it's uh, certified organic farming. Uh, So, you know, we use that uh, fine dining mentality and bring it to a casual level that's a little more approachable for the masses. I think I'd say from the hospitality aspect, too, I mean, we can't talk about you without talking about, I get the right because right, you know, Maitre D, Maitre D of the year yeah. in 2017, <laughs> and you know that that uh, that approach that you guys have, like especially with her, but uh, the big allures that you know they're all as soon as you walk in, you get the smile, you get that friendliness. Um, I, 
it would be dumb to ask you how important that is because it's obviously important. But how do you how do you translate that into everybody? How do, how do you teach that front of the house kind of approach um, that you know that one hermitry? We, you know, we uh, we talk about it all the time, and it starts at the top, right? And the hospitality starts down from. I you know people always report up. And they always look, and they look at me, obviously, as a, you know the boss, and they say, oh, we want to make the boss happy. And I always tell them, you don't want to make me happy. Well, you do want to make me happy, but how you're going to make me happy is make my customers happy. Absolutely. Because they're the end result boss. Nobody gets paid unless they're happy. And so just remember that, that from the time they set foot on our property, it's our job to make their experience as good as we can possibly do it. And it's, we talk it all the time. Anyone like, remember El Posto? Of, of course. course. Posto, so yeah. that yeah. was such the... The extreme of kind of that fine dining. Yes. I remember going there for lunches for multiple hours. Yep. And I appreciate what you do is you still do that fine dining approach without a little bit of the snootiness. Correct. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, that was – I think you got that snootiness because it was that – White tablecloth. Yeah, well, it was that all Italian staff. You know, the, Johnny, the owner of El Posto, I'm, uh, you know, when I showed up, he was there. We were, you know, we were pretty close competitors. We were two blocks. Matter of fact, and that's where Bigalora, yeah. my first Bigalora yeah, yeah. is in El Posto. Yeah, that's so, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, we were, that was pretty crazy yeah. there for a while. But um, but he had this ability to bring in um, Italian waiters. He had a type of a, a visa that allowed him to just, you know, shop out of the Italian pool. So he had a 100% Italian staff. And I think that that language barrier and that, you know, the uh, it gave it that feel more than it was. It really wasn't snooty. It was just proper. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was cool. It was super cool. They just didn't like you. They did not like they me. Wait, and, uh, <laughs> isn't that who was the chef at El Posto? Well, they had many of them, but the, what's left on the El Posto team is, is my neighbor in uh, Rochester Hills, and I go see him all the time. Um, Silverito, uh, Silverspoon. So, Silverito, Norberto. That's what I'm thinking. Norberto. Norberto, oh, no, was, Norberto a, was one of the was cooks a, there who went to El Barzone. El Barzone. Yeah. Who's soon going to open his own pizza place? Yeah. No, look at that. I can't wait. Well, we'll see. I mean, the sign's been up for a year now. Yeah. And wood fired wood fired tacos too. Don't forget about that. I think he's going to do great. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a very talented guy. He is. Definitely he's cool. moves at his own pace, but yeah. you know, who cares? Good for him. Do any of these other wood fire great places food. come to you guys and, and you know ask for tips and advice and open it up their well, thing? Or they, they tell them, get the every, fuck out of here. <laughs> every single one of them camped out at Bigalore before they wow. opened up for a while, but yeah, I don't think they... It's funny, the pizza business, and I didn't know anything about this in the restaurant business, it's a real, real cutthroat business. And when we opened up uh, Bigalore, we had all types of people trying to come in and and buy the recipe for the dough and the this and the that. And, and as soon as they realized they weren't going to get it, they would just drop their aprons, walk off the line. And, you know, they were just sent in there for a specific reason. Mm. And they would walk. And I remember coming to work one day, and I'm first in, which is kind of typical. And my the dumpster was in the parking lot. Like, literally, the bags were all over the parking <laughs> lot, ripped up. And I thought, what the is going on here? And it was basically snooping. They were trying to figure out what products you use, name brand of your cheese, tomato wow. sauce, all wow. this kind Holy of stuff. Crap. The oh. pizza business is a crazy business. <laughs> so we never had this stuff in fine dining. and It didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What no, and, 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 the, and the real magic, the real magic is in the, the fermentation. I just keep going back to the fermentation, a three-ingredient pizza dough. I mean, it is 
and you know, good luck. <laughs> right. Good luck figuring it out. Or good luck wanting to do it. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. Right. What do you thoughts on coal fire pizza? Well, coal, the, the difference is what coal gives is what wood gives, right? It's a, uh, a solid fuel. And it's, it allows you to get up to those high temperatures between eight and 900 degrees. That's the only similarities. But wood adds romance and a little bit of smoke to the pizza and flavor where coal adds nothing. And coal's a carcinogen, so I'm not a fan. I just don't see any reason why. If I can go to wood, like, you know, if we were opened up pizzas in South Florida, we'd be trucking wood in from the north, and it would cost you a fortune. Mm-hmm. But where we are... I mean, wood is so plentiful that I don't know why I would go to coal. Yeah, I mean, you got to truck the coal in. Well, right. Mm-hmm. They haven't figured out a way to get that temperature with gas, though. No, not gas. Mm. Not really. Yeah. Well, they have. They have gas, the brick ovens and the domes. Right, right. Um, but they're not as regulated. It's it's great when you've got a solid fuel source and mm-hmm. it's all parked in one part of the oven. You know how to cook with it. You know how to control it. And that's the trick is training your people, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The most important job for us in that pizza making is the pizza hole, and the pizza hole is the guy that holds the stick. His job is basically just to move the pizza. Each pizza has to be moved about four times, uh, to, you know, prior to the pizza being done, and that's all done in about a minute, minute and a half. Uh, where when you conventionally bake a pizza and you go into you know old school deck ovens, you get to set the pizza down and close the door, and pretty much if it takes twelve minutes, you know twelve minutes it's done. You really don't have to move it from here to here, side to side, turn it towards the fire. Where ours is all done by, you know, it's a craft. That's why I microwave all my pizzas. <laughs> That's right. It's a <laughs> consistent sugar house pizza every right time. <laughs> so, with the multiple locations, uh, how do you figure out where the next Beagleor is going to be? Um, so, you know, you start in Southfield, go to Royal Oak, and then progress from there how well, how's the scouting work for a location well that's that's where that's where i talk about our partnership again um we rely on our partner mike Collins. he's looking at deals every day is really i'm not emotionally or passionately involved in where they go and know what they look like luce wants to make sure the food is good mike wants to make sure the numbers are right so he's looking at he's pouring over a good day. And so we, we don't really have to worry about that. We, we just kind of follow in with the design and the food and go from there. Is this a thing where, like, you're saying, like, I want to open more locations? Or are you like, I'm good? I'm in a no, good spot. no, we want to open more locations. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. We're, you, we're, we're, for- this, we're not, we're not, I, we're not done. <laughs> Beagles are neighborhood restaurants, right? They don't, they're not destination restaurants. You plop them someplace and you're going to, sure. you're going to draw from, you know, a small area around it. And Might I suggest Corktown. I hear there's <laughs> yeah. a great fire, I hear there's a great firehouse in Corktown yeah. that is just waiting for a Beagalora. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I don't know anything about it. No, no comment, huh? I like it. I'll take it. What about outside of Michigan? Uh, I think uh, you know that's part of the plan. I think we've got a, we've got at least uh, we've got room for another six or seven stores. I think in Michigan and in our southeast area, where I think we could successfully do it. And I'd love to. If we would as a group. We talk about it. We want to test the product in another market, in a bigger scale market. But to do that, it's not just one store, right? If we go, we go with yeah. Uh, you build a commissary and you commit to fifteen right? yeah. or twenty. Yeah. You want to yeah. go. You want to go. Then that, 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 that's the problem. Therein lies the problem. So right. it's like you got to know what you're doing. It's a big step. It's not just opening up a one uh, 3,500 square foot store and saying did it work or didn't work. And 
picking up your bag and going home. It's like, you know, you got to commit and do, like Luch said, six, seven stores. And that's a big, big, big decision. And at that point, are you looking to, like, franchise or license? Or would you want to do that, keep it all kind of in-house? For fran- that's a lot of money. Yeah. In the discussion. Okay. I think we're, we're corporate stores right now. Yeah. I don't know if it'll change in the future. It's probably more of a question for Mike, our other partner, but um, we're, we're corporate store. We're far from that. We're not interested in franchising or anything like that. Okay. Right now, we'll just be company owned. And, you know, I hope we build something that's meaningful that sticks around. We want a pizzeria that, uh, you know, this type of food to be around long after us. And hopefully one day, you know, that carries on. And if it goes to that, it goes to that maybe without us involved. Windsor's got itself a nice little Italian. Uh Stripper restaurants over there. And Indeed. I, I'm sure the university I, kids over there would love to have. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. What I don't like about Windsor is getting into Windsor is a, yeah. is a, is a piece of cake. Coming back into our own country, they <laughs> oh, make yeah. me feel like a criminal, yeah. like I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stealing something. And it's every single time to the point that I said this is not even worth it anymore. I, I don't want to fight to get back into my own country. Don't smuggle Kinder Eggs in either. I, I learned that one. <laughs> so, so the word – so. With multiple locations and then the uh, the kind of vision to grow further, the, the word chain comes up, and that's kind of a bad word, right? So how do you avoid the kind of chain mentality that comes along with all of these locations that, that's destined to kind of be just hoisted upon you without without your choice even? Well, I, I think that's by um, – each one has its own little bit feel. We don't build them identically. They don't all look the same. They don't all feel the same. They don't all carry the types, the same types of beers. They can we, we you know get a pulse of the area that we're in and give them exactly what they want. And we certainly listen to what our customers want, and we we just try to conform it to that location, where you know. And and, and I gotta say, I don't. I, I I I there's people that do food on scale, very 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 well, and there's people that don't. I mean, we have no desire. To, to gut the quality and open a thousand locations, we're never changing the quality, or, or we're not going to be involved. Somebody else Correct. might want to buy it and 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 blow it up. We're, we're not those guys. So, so the chain thing doesn't bother me at all. I mean, our food speaks for itself. It always will if we're involved. All right. Well, so, well said. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about beer and wine. Okay. All right. Welcome back to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Uh, Luciano, Chet, congrats on acquiring Arbor Brewing. Let's talk about beer and wine for a second. So you guys are, you have your Bigaloras, and now you have Arbor Brewing. You have Baya State Winery. Correct. Um, it's like all modes. And, and you also have, you have a connection to the Michigan Hop Alliance as well, right? Yes. That's, That's like correct. That's all, correct. All so, modes of so production. Obviously, we did the Michigan Hop Alliance deal three years ago. Well, obviously, our site set on beer. Um, we kind of got, we met Matt and Renee to go through the Michigan Hop Alliance, formed a relationship, um, and we thought, hey, it'd be a hell of a lot better starting 25-year run than Greenfield, our own brand and our own brewing. So... We, we kind of really like this deal. We really like Arbor. We really like the team, the people, and we're going to craft brewing for sure. And we're drinking two of them right now. You want to talk about what we got? Well, I brought two of the sours along with me. I brought the uh, cherry saison 
and I brought the anniversary barley wine. So, so the the sour program, they, they, Arbor makes a great like Sacred Cow IPA is a fantastic IPA. It is, but they have a really well regarded sour beer program. They do, they uh, do. He's been uh, very involved in the sour beer program. He probably put the first one in Michigan and has an amazing um, backlog of sours that are aging, you know, for years. Yeah, I've been in that room. There's like barrels on barrels on barrels uh, back in that in Ypsilanti there. That is correct. So you're going to keep that going? You're going to keep producing more sours as well? Is that the plan? 100%. We, lo- we love that. We Absolutely. Think, we think sours Absolutely. are the future, a big future in American beer making. And, uh, hey, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple too, right? I mean, let, let, we, we're going to get Matt and Renee back to doing what they do best is beer. That We're not going to have the, the, the weight on their shoulders of hospitality and food Stuff that they really didn't want to do, they were forced into doing it. Um, we're, we're taking that off their plate. They're going to focus. Matt is going to focus on these sours. We're going to do some incredible things together with them. Sure. I might have a dumb question. Do they have a location in India? They do. Okay. Yeah. Is that going to plan to any year? Are you no. going to like Biga India? That has nothing to do with us. We've okay. got we've got the we bought into the North American side. Okay. <laughs> And they had a, an investor that graduated from the University of Michigan, and his father was a businessman in Bangalore. And they really, after they made an investment, that, that came out that they really wanted a brewery in India. And it was a great thing for them. And they opened a brew pub, and they're killing it. And wow. now they're building a big brewery there. So cool. they've got that that's under construction. Great. So that's the, you know, that will reside with them and, and, and not us. Cool. Oh, crazy. So, so Chet, talk to us about um, – like the the area up in Northport that you're in right now, um, in terms of the the hop farm and the and the winery, um, this is all like I guess the vision of all of this when Beagalora started, there probably wasn't a vision to open a, a hop farm and, and a and a and grape field. So wh- wh- where did this all come well, from? Well, hops hops definitely were not weren't on the radar. The the vineyard has always been on the radar. I mean, we have been with Luciano and, and Collins. We've been in the wine business for you know twenty five years, so that's always kind of been in the radar. Definitely, Beagalora filled a kind of niche. You know, when we can make our own house wines, something like Luciano mentioned earlier, products that we want to drink at a, a great, great value to our customers, um, it's just a natural. It's just a complete natural. And then the you know the hops. You know, we started out three years ago. We we're growing 16 acres of hops, probably a dozen varieties. And this year, that site's going to be 30 acres producing. And then we leased another 30 acres with the uh, option to buy at the end of the season, depending on the quality of hops that we, we got out of the, this is a seven, eight-year-old hop farm. But we really like we really like the business. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of brewers in the state that are vertically integrated with hops. So we're going to be able to work close with the Arbor guys, right? They're going to be at the farm. They're going to be smelling fresh hops. They're going to be able to do wet hop beers with the access to a large volume of product that really there's not another brewer in the state that has access to. And, and so you, you, with, with the Hop Alliance, is there someone there that you're working with specifically? Is is, uh, is, that, is that Brian well, we Tennis? own it. You own it. We, we own it, and, and our partner Brian Tennis runs it. Oh, Okay. So then, what's the what's the ultimate goal here? Then is there like um, to to kind of self become a self sufficient kind of vertical integration? 
Yeah, vertical integration to a certain extent, right? I mean, vertical integration in this can be wonderful. I mean, seriously, we, you know, the, we go through great lengths, especially at BIA, the great lengths to make sure we have a Chardonnay that we enjoy, that hopefully is very approachable to our customers, a rosé, a Pinot Grigio. You know, we, we want all these products to be better than anything they could get at twice the price. Do you have any plans for whiskey? <laughs> maybe maybe brandy. Nope. Brandy, yeah. Are, are no the comment. Bi- <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Are the bio wines in distribution? Are they aside from the restaurant? Are there? Can you buy a We're, bottle? We have a- no. Des- we have zero 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 desire to distribute our our wine. Um, we are going to self distribute our wine through our restaurants and our retail. And we, we're not interested in shelf space and, and low margins, and, and we're not making it for that. We're making it for our customers to provide tremendous value with an unbelievable product for, for the money that they're paying. We, we, we don't want you know a foot of bottles and Myers 50 acres and all that stuff. We're not doing it for that. Totally but to, different reason. But to answer your question, they're available at Cloverleaf. And, uh, that's, what you're, that's what you're referring to is your wow. retail. Hey, wait, Luke, you're forgetting. You're, you're forgetting. They're, they're available by the glass. By the bottle oh, at yeah. every Beagleora location That's at Baco. Yep. They're available by the glass, by the bottle. And soon Arbor, Arbor Brewing. Our Arbor Brew Works. Great. And Great. they're available in Northport, Michigan at Deep's Corner Store and Mitten Brewing by the bottle and by the glass. Nice. Yeah. So, so it, the the service, I've noticed at Beagleora that they come, you guys are doing them in kegs, right? Yeah, we draft them there. And, and how is that working out for you guys? That's a, It's absolutely fantastic. For one, it's a. It's the freshest, best way to to carry wines. I mean, it's unbelievable, especially wine by the glass, because oxygen never touches it prior to coming out of the keg. Right? It's perfect. Even in a bottle, there's about a you know a little fill of oxygen in there that changes the wine over time. In this, it's zero. It's vacuum sealed. So there's no right. guy in the back dumping bottles in a bag. No. <laughs> okay. No. It is like straight no, to the no, back. No. And yeah. What's really interesting too is if you look at what what's happened in Europe with wine. In restaurants, especially more casual, affordable restaurants, it's bagged, gravity-fed, bagged wine because they can't afford the glass, the label, the cork, the foil. It just, it just doesn't equate. And it, who wants the garbage? I mean, who wants all that scrap in the restaurant, right? So, you know, you look at the percentage of wine poured, um, bagged and boxed in, in European restaurants, and it's huge, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I think the American market has a little tough time taking it like, oh, God, I'm getting a glass of wine out of a keg. But when, like Waluch is saying, the product is far superior. Right. And that's, that stigma is, is slowly changing. I mean, we, we have – Look at Screwtop. Yeah, like Screwtop. We have boxed wine as well. Yeah. Brighton Company every now and then and some of our other places. People are getting used to the idea that we're not – this isn't cheap. It's still mm. expensive. But it's a better preservation for something that you don't want to have oxidized, right? You're not going to sit on a box of wine for 20 years, right? This is meant to drink, you know, now. But it's, uh, you know, well, it's well, a great how way. How about opening a bottle? How about opening a bottle and, you know, pouring a glass and then three days, four days later, pouring the second glass? Right. It's right. Like, mm, no, it's gone. Uh, yeah. I think it's better coming out of the keg. It, for sure. It's yeah. better for many, many, many reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's better for our environment. It's better for our landfills. It's better for reducing our footprint on this earth. It's better for everything. And, uh, and we're going to keep doing anything that makes sense. So tell me about the life on a keg like that. Is there – do you try to put a date on it? Well, Ish. We, we move all our wine in one 
in every production, right? Okay. I mean, our our goal is is the you know we won't we won't raise the production until we can sell everything we've got because we're making mm-hmm. wine not for aging, we're making wine for drinking. Mm-hmm. It's everyday wine, and to me, that should be you know that should be in a bag, you know, sure. in a reusable container. Five gallons of wine is throwing out a very, very small bag at the end of this thing. So you guys are consuming all of your production? We are pretty much. Cool. Yes. That's great. That's yeah. great. And just to, just to clarify, just to clarify, guys, so you know what's going on. So when we keg it down, it's kegged into um, a plastic keg out of Germany that has a bag in the middle of it. It's a six keg. So when we gas it, we use the same system that we use for beer. Which back in the day, when people first started kegging wine, they got the, the, the bar back would go, I'm not going to keg wine because I got to change gas out and blah, blah, blah. No, no, our gas never sees the wine. The gas just squishes the bag. We could actually just put the kegs up high, like the reds, we could just put up high and gravity feed them. The gases never interact with the wine. Correct. That's great. Hmm. It's more act as a pump. Yeah, just squeezing the wine out of right. the bag. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Pressure, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Just, just pressure in the what, tank. So what about this? Are you guys doing any sparklings? We are, but not on draft yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We haven't figured that one out yet. Yeah. Because but we are, they're bottled. Argon, maybe. I was going to say yeah. it's not good for AR capital T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but with sparkling, though, um, oh, where was my, my train of thought? It just shot out the station. Well, Mobby's wines are yeah, all, thank you. That's are, are all available yes. um, sure. on tap. Um, so there's got to be some, I mean, there's some way to, I don't know how they do it, but. Um, it's just a straight up keg, maybe, like a yeah. keg keg. Yeah, because, I mean, you can get. Um, I think they're, yeah, not our system with these kegs, we can't because, like we said, I think that's more like a draft system where the gas is mixing in with the wine mm-hmm. and yeah. carbonating it at that moment. Yeah, and then you really need to have a dedicated wine you know, yeah. keg, and you know, obviously you don't want to run beer right. in there, and you know you you know do a whole refresh when you, you and know, there's use a still wine. there's still some romance to you know popping a bottle of sparkling wine, right? Sure, and, mm-hmm. celebration. It's not all dead. It's not all dead yet, right? Well, Nick uses a sword to do that. I have. I'm getting better at it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> so with uh, with Arbor's uh, distribution, are you guys going to keep that rolling too you're going to keep producing the the kind of flagship beers that they are uh, known for yeah i think so absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah well, you know and we're all i mean gonna... we're, we're gonna the big important thing we, we want to come out loud and strong with arbor is you know this isn't you know, this isn't some big corporation coming in and buying you know craft craft beer out of ann arbor i mean we we want we, we love what they do we love their beers we're never going to take that away. We want to definitely shore them up, add production. We need more production for our consumption and, um, you know, provide more consistency. At absolutely, the food, we're going to take the food to a different level. We're dealing with Luciano. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a slow, slow transition, but, um, you know, things are going to change. All right, maybe a painful question. Are you going to serve other beers in addition to Arbor? Uh, I mean, not in the brew pubs. You can't because well, they're not right. the brew pubs. Yeah, right. but, but, but in the biggest, in full on, yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right, we have to. We, we have to. We have to. Some of our biggest two of them have forty-eight, you know, draft right. systems. I mean, that's their, yeah, hundred percent. And and with that, I mean, we're going to support. We again, Michigan is most important to us. We want to support other guys in this state. 
few European wines. Some of the Italian guys are making some really, really cool beers in Italy right now. Sure. And being Italian-based, you know, mm-hmm. I'd love to bring some of those guys in. Of course. And nobody else has any good Italian beer. It's just amazing it's what's coming up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but the, yeah, 100%. We'll always have great showing of beer. So part of the, part of the, um, uh, the deal is you guys got the Corner Brew Pub in Ypsilanti, which I've always loved, and that was basically their production facility. Is that Correct. True? Okay. Yep. What are the plans for that space? Because um, they just had Tapper come through there, right? I did they? I thought Tapper Weird. went to Corner Pub. I might huh. be wrong. Ch- I don't know if it's that one. No, was it not that, that, one? that one? Was it a different mm-hmm. one? That's the, it was like an old school where they did the... Per- am I wrong? No, yeah. no, 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 no. The, no, the history, the history of the building, it's a great history of the building, I think. They were a sole supplier to Sears as a craftsman tool brand, and they built tabletop bridge ports and lathes wow. for 70 years in that building. Wow. So when you went to Sears as a little kid and dad or grandpa wanted to buy a bridge port or a lathe um, down in the basement for his little wood metal shop, that's you know that's where the Sears craftsman brand was made. What Our, our, our plans for that facility are... You know, expanding the brewing operations, bringing on some equipment so we can make some beers, some beers that are really hot right now. Um, and then we're probably going to move into the dining area and the kitchen and uh, the beer garden and just kind of spruce things up. We like the atmosphere there already. And, and trust me, the customers love it. So we don't want to change too much. Yeah, that, that place seems like it's, it's got a really unique very yeah. chill, very not rushed, but, you know, very cool kind of... Well, kind yeah, of, yeah. and it's a craft, right? Yeah. I keep telling everybody, it's crafty, and yeah. we don't want to take that away. Right. Yep. And I apologize, it was the arena bar, so that was my bad. Oh, that, t- that yeah, yeah, that's across, that's near uh, ABC. Okay. That's closer to ABC. Just ignore me. Yeah. Why, Washington. <laughs> we do, we normally do. <laughs> Nick's talking, just <laughs> mute his mic. Thought it was mute. So I, I think what what uh, what's interesting here is that this whole I don't want to call it takeover or whatever of Arbor Brewing, um, you guys are very focused on um, keeping the kind of small town feel of the of the brewery. This isn't some Anheuser Busch coming in and like you know oh, coming in and for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, we're only there. Listen, we're, we're involved in this because it's something we love, and if we feel that Let's we can take an almighty great brand and make it better. That's why we showed up. We're sure. not there for any other. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you. I go back to your earlier comment. I mean, if Matt and Renee were on this call, founders of Arbor Brewing Company, twenty five years ago, they were right. on this call. They love the fact of partnering with a, a chef driven food service provider because they hate that end of the business. They like beer, right? And so this is a perfect marriage. We're gonna. We're going to come in there. No more worries and woes about hospitality and staffing and menus and special. No more woes about that. Just concentrate on the beer. And it's, it's I'm telling you, I, I got high hopes. I think it's going to be a match made in heaven. It's great. It, you know, it's interesting, like, you saying that they didn't like that side of the business. They did really well with their food. Yeah. For, for yeah. the, the oh, times yeah. they had been there. I they were, was really I mean, impressed like with Like I said, we're not going to go in there and change but, it, right? Because it's like, you, you, you got people that adore these menu items. We're not going to go in there and offer Neelapotten pizzas and call it a day. There's no way we're doing that. But but they realized it was always a thorn in their side, right? Mm -hmm. They did well with it, but it's hard work with food, you know, and and, and And to make make money at it, right? It wasn't what they set out to do. It took focus. It took tremendous focus for those guys off the beer game to concentrate on their food. And like, 
but why would you do that? I mean, beer is where the, their money was. I mean, why, why are you worried about it? And then it's like, you know, finally to, for them to be our new brand ambassadors and concentrate on our sour program and 100%. We're not asking them to give up 10% of their other duties. They're 100% beer now. It's a, it's a great thing. So, so with this whole in, vertical integration part with the beer, the wine, and, and the food, like the hops, you, the hops, all of that. So who, who is testing? Or, or I guess obviously Matt and Renee are doing the beer. On the wine side of things, like you, you guys have a winemaker that you guys employ, and then yes. who, who is testing yes, that yes, after? But, but, we are, but let me tell you something. The, um, the art executive team is very, very involved in what style wines we are making. The blending. With our, with our bar program people, right? So we, yeah. we are tasting wines and we are designing and styling wines that we know are approachable to our customers and providing tremendous value to our customers. I mean, I, I still laugh at, you know, if somebody buys a $14, $15 glass of Kendall Jackson, which I can't even choke down. I mean, what we can provide for $8 is... Yeah, you know, doesn't bottle better. cost fourteen dollars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, these are restaurant prices, though, brother. There's a, there's a markup there, my friend. I hate to break. I hate to Not burst your bubble. Times. Oh, yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Kendall Jackson's looking like Freddie Jackson. I heard. Yeah. I heard that it goes well with uh, fish sticks. Yeah. Orange Ruffy. <laughs> Orange Ruffy. <laughs> so I, I got to ask a question. I know we're getting closer to the end here. I got to ask a question. I, you talk a lot about uh, you know you want to support you support Michigan. You know, uh, obviously, how can you can you talk just a little bit about how uh, the support for the earthquake went? When, yeah, when you did yeah. that, and yeah, no, uh, it was <laughs> so the earthquake it, where no yes, it, in uh, Amatrice, right, Italy. Okay. Um, so, so you got over fifty. Yeah, we had fifty restaurants. Uh, I, I called out to and just called a few friends and it Wait, blew up. So three. you organized this? I did. Nice. I did. Right. Matter of fact, we're still we're going to have another run at it, another go because. Uh, we raised in that first go around sixty five thousand, and you know, the way things move in Italy, they haven't even they, they haven't even started reconstruction of this town yet. In our money, there's a there's a culinary school in that town, and I want to go help. I want to donate the money to rebuilding the culinary school. Not to talk about we don't need one of these in Detroit, but we'll, that's another yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's a whole another, different podcast. That's another <laughs> podcast, but uh, or more hospitality school. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Um, so they they're they're not ready yet for the for the monies to come there. So we're, I'm we're still holding them in an account here. So Baco by itself and our Bigas are going to do another go because I'm going to try to get that 65 to 100. Yeah, cool. And then if anybody else wants to join in and make pastella matriciana in any way they want and sell it for 15 bucks and donate to the fund, we'd be happy. But if we can get them 100,000, I'd be happy. So Very for cool. for everyone listening that didn't know about it was they had you had one dish. Right, and you, it was it was the pasta invented in that town. A matriche invented this dish called pasta matriciana. That's basically a pasta that has no garlic in it. It's onions for sweetness, chili for spice, uh, guanciale, which is the jowl cured sure. jowls, uh, beautiful tomatoes, and a, and a bucatini pasta. Okay, and that uh, yeah. any any anybody who took that on could make their version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. we. We would, you know, share recipes or just do anything you want in that fashion. Be creative, do a pasta matriciana, sell it for fifteen bucks, donate all the money to the 
to the cause and we got 65000 If we did a pizza with that, would you share your dough recipe? Absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you have far? to get that from chat. Too far? All right. Fair enough. get that from chat. Listen, I, I, I Actually, I will give you the about. pizza recipe, okay? It's flour, water, and salt. <laughs> salt, right? That's it. There's three Neapolitan things. It's easy. Pizza, right? Right? piece of cake. You said jowls. Did you, like, deplete the... Like jowls in like a you know hundred mile radius. I think we did. I Have you ever had we... guanciale? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh my god! Really? Oh, yeah. oh my god! Yeah, but it's not an easy like. Dude, you're you, missing it. You only oh, get totally like two missing. out of a cow, right? Out of a pig. Uh, oh well. Yeah, well. well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sounding even the right thing. A lady Nick drinks is over here. Yeah, I'm drunk. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Uh, it's I, I want that recipe. I want the recipe for the meatballs, <laughs> yeah. and of course the uh, strozzi I mean, <laughs> oh, you, you guys, let me let me give you a little update because I was just spent the whole afternoon at Baya. Lucha was up in Northport for the weekend, getting an update on the Hop Alliance and Baya and everything. I took a photographer out there today. So um, spring of 2016, we planted 11 acres. Uh, all trellis system is in. Watering system is in. Um, we just finished planting another nine acres and the trellising is going on right now it's starting to become like something i mean it's like it gives me goosebumps to go up there now because it's like oh my god this is starting to feel like something real really looking good the hops um we, we're gonna have a good season we're gonna have a good season for hops we got the right weather um so everything's looking really good this year have you got a tasting room up there yet no Oh, no, no. We're year, years away. Years yeah. away. It's in a primary focus, right? So we consume all of our own product sure. at, at the restaurants and at Cloverleaf. So it's like, you know, these guys that the, the, the mom and pops that retire to Leland on say, we want to make wine. And then four years later, they've got 10,000 cases of wine. Like, now what do we do? You know, we're not we're not running on that program. We do want a tasting room. We do want an event space. Um, but we're we've got years to plan that out. Seems like Traverse City isn't too far away that for Bigalora to be at. That's uh, that's what about. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. No comment. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so uh, one more question. I think I, I th- uh, the um, I lost my train of thought. Jowls. Uh, They're from the pig. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure Carlos Carbonara. <laughs> Carbonara uses Guancali, right? Pancetta. Oh, Pancetta. Pancetta. Oh, yeah. so, so actually, what it was the of Pretty. This this uh, this oh, Strozza Pretty is on the menu at Bolt Baco yeah. and, and, and at Bigalora. That's correct. So let's talk about that. That that dish. Um, my my, my three year old um, can can eat a whole portion of it. So we go to a restaurant. <laughs> he can he can literally eat the whole portion, which is pretty impressive. That's um, pretty good. What, what what is it about that dish? Like what? Well, it's house made sausage, right? So we make a sweet Italian sausage and. Sausage is one of those ingredients I think you want to make, right? You know, those, to a true Italian, you don't buy it because you don't know what's in it and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's it. It's sausage. It's white wine. It's, uh, you know, our basic fresh tomato sauce, which is a marinara. It gets finished with a little bit of cream. Sprinkled with a little bit of yeah. magic you, wa- wonka dust. Know, and... Do you guys know the translation? No. Right. Strangle the Pope, right? Strangle the priest. Strangle the priest. <laughs> Strangle the priest. Strangle the priest. You know how I know that? Because yeah. I was at Baco... About 15 years ago, well, maybe not 15 years yeah. ago, but 2004, 2005, and yeah. there was a server there who was phenomenal. He gave me some, val- I think, some wine that you guys worked with, uh, Valentino. I don't know. I could be off of that. Fashion okay. designer produced some really amazing oh, wine. Oh, Ferragamo. Ferragamo's wine. I remember Ferragamo's he was there. wine. He br- yeah, he brought me a glass. Like you got to try this, and yeah. you know, unbelievable. He'll, and he he told me that that dish, and so yeah, whenever I see it, I order it. And it's never as I good think, as the the real thing. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. yours. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet. I know. I'm I know. We're going to get some pasta <laughs> after this. Uh, Bring back the macaroni. <laughs> okay, we so can drive. I would it's love like two to. feet away. Oh, my God. I would love to. Uh, when we I, made those for a long time, but, uh, man, the labor and those the things. There came, was no money in them. The day I came in and I was like, I just want to hit a bunch of macaroons to go. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I have them anymore. Like, <laughs> they were t- I know. Uh, and everybody's got them now. They were everywhere. One of those things we brought in when you couldn't find one in Michigan, right? Right. And now they're, you know, they're, you can find them everywhere. Yeah. That's why. That's why we like this fermented dough because nobody. Bring it back. Bring it back. You get paid every time you mention it. So. Fermented dough. <laughs> okay, so Bigalora, where are the locations? Uh, Tell people where you can find them. Southfield, uh, uh, Royal Oak, second location, Ann Arbor. You talked about Metro Airport, Rochester Hills, um, Champions Club. Where the two food trucks, DMC in Detroit, DMC, and two locations in Fort Field. Oh, two. second one opens up this uh, season. Is, this, nice. is the yeah. second one nice. available to everyone else? Because yeah, well, I don't know. It's a club level on the other side, so okay. I don't know if it's available. No, no. Uh, if you can get up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no club level. Right. Buy better seats, you can come. There you go. Bigalora dot com, right? Yep, Bigalora dot com. Sure. Right. Laura on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Vine. Yep. Watch Grindr. Next location. Buy a wine on Tinder. Instagram. Yeah. Buy a wine on Instagram. Correct. Uh, uh, spell buy a wine for us. B a i a w i n e. I got the wine and part. Buy a, <laughs> buy a, I'm sorry. Buy a estate vineyards, Leelanau County on Facebook. Yep. Awesome. awesome. All right, Luciano. We had a great, we had a great weekend uh, in Leland Wine and Food Fest. First one ever for us. We did better than people that have been in the business for 35 years. Oh, sorry. And we had awesome. a great time with great, great fans of our product. Yep, that was good. Great. Uh, Luciano, Chet, thanks for being with us. Until next time, dine well, friends. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.